Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I commend to you the word of the Lord from the Gospel of St. Matthew. But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Please be seated. Matthew tells us the grown-up Christian Christmas story. That Luke business comes next week. That's for the whole family, but this one not so much. Luke is wonderful because it's nice and peaceful. The angel visits Mary and she'll sing a hymn. The shepherds will sit outside at night looking all peaceful-like, and there'll be some more angels and some more hymns. Matthew tells you the mess, which is kind of more my style. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. See, Mary was engaged to Joseph, but she got pregnant. But like from the Holy Spirit, from a word, the hearing of the word. She's totally still a virgin. It's fine. And Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. That means he didn't believe her, which is probably not unfair. I mean, you got to admit how it looks. Remember that, grown-ups, when the world doesn't understand the reason for the season, nobody was converted to Christianity by Christmas decorations, ever. Not just the secular side, either. Like, look at the nativity. And tell me how somebody could look at that little kid in the manger and say, Hey, look, that baby is fully God and fully man. Son of the Father, born of the Virgin. He is going to die on the cross, rise from the dead, and save us from our sins. I mean, you've got to admit how it looks. It's a truth that bears repeating. You are not going to figure this out on your own. It has always been revealed. It must be revealed. So an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and explained it to him. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. So Joseph woke from sleep. He did as the angel had commanded. And you got to admit how that looks too. Like to all of Nazareth, Mary looked unfaithful and also kind of crazy because she stuck to the story, as ridiculous as it sounds to the lady down the street who can't stop talking about other people's business. Yet she is blessed among all women, because she is the mother of God. Joseph looked like an old fool, 
but he believed where so many didn't. There's this funny thing that happens. The more they believe, the worse they actually look to everybody else. It follows them too. Watch how many times the enemies of Christ refer to him as Joseph's son. It's a jibe. You got to admit how it looks. This preacher, this prophet, we remember that he was born, I don't know, sooner than nine months after the wedding. The Pharisees love to point it out because, I mean, look at them. They look great. All the time, they look great. They are the ones who behave in public. They are the ones who have perfect families, but the Pharisees weren't as perfect as they wanted to believe. They were just really, really good at hiding what was wrong. Really good at excusing it. Really good at blaming others. Anything but confessing what's actually wrong to be sin and hoping that God would be merciful to sinners, which is sort of the point of the whole religion. The believing Mary and Joseph looked like sinners and fools. The unbelieving Pharisees looked righteous. Remember that, grown-ups, when you want to measure Christianity by what you see in each other. Because this has to be revealed. Remember that when you look in the mirror and decide who you want to emulate this day. The Pharisees who hide their shame to look upright in public. Or Mary who clings to the promise of the Lord and is blessed. Because it is a great temptation, especially in these parts. How much good do you do? How proper does your family look? How much praise can you muster for God? We love to measure how things look, but how did Mary look, even to Joseph? How does Jesus look, hanging on a cross where he saved a world that couldn't save itself? The Lord wasn't kidding when he said the world is going to hate you for this stuff. He meant it when he said this is foolishness to the wise. You are not going to figure this out on your own. It has to be revealed. Christianity is not going to be measured in you, not in your works, not in your feelings. It is measured in what God has to say about you, in what God has done for you. It is measured in his name, Jesus He will save his people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. That's why they call it Christianity. It's not about you. It's for you. And so when God would see the mess that his people would make for themselves, the sins that we would cover up so that we might look upright in public, the way that we are bowed down under guilt and shame and heavy load, He became like us. God was made man to dwell in our creation alongside us inside of sin and misery. God Almighty became an infant. Jesus, that kid in the manger, is actually God, fully God, the Son of God made flesh, fully man, clothed in our weakness. God puts himself in a box for you. He knows what it looks like, too. The more faithful he is, the more the crowds turn on him. They're great with Jesus the healer, as long as he does the right parlor trick. But they flee from the Jesus who says, unless they eat his flesh and drink his blood, they have no life with him. And so it is today. 
We love the Jesus who tells us, just get along. Don't worry so much about the little things. Even though we're actually terrible at both. I'm just saying. We love the Jesus who doesn't need to bear the cross, but we can't even agree on where to put the cute little baby in the manger. We are not as good at this as we pretend to be in public. Things are not going so well as we wish they were. So here instead of your Jesus, listen. If Jesus didn't need to die for what you want to be true, you are thinking of the wrong guy. And that's okay. Nobody figures this out on their own. It has always been revealed. But faith comes by hearing, not looking. Look at that cross up there. Look at that thing and tell me that it actually looks like much to somebody who walks in our doors. No wonder the world mocks us. Yet the God-man Jesus, born of Mary, would not come down from there for you. There, there our Lord would bleed and die for you to forgive you all your sins. He who is worthy of all honor and praise bore mockery and abuse, suffering and death to save you, to save me. He came to assume your weakness, to carry your sins, the ones that others would belittle you for, the ones that you hide oh so well, the ones that prove that you don't measure up. The ones that make you feel like a bad Christian. The ones that are so much easier to hide and excuse. Jesus saves you from your sins by dying right there. Because he died, because his blood was shed, you are holy. Because he died for you, your sins are forgiven you, all of them. You have not one sin left, for Jesus died for all of them. You have not one sin left, for they are all left on that cross where he suffered for you. He bears our humiliations, our sins, our weaknesses. He bears what other people would whisper about us. Jesus died only for the sinners, for me, for you. And it's finished. So when you get measured by that cross, right there, it gives us a whole new identity. Mary is blasted among women, even the mother of God. You, you wear that same righteousness because you are baptized. You are baptized, and that means more than the world would say. You are baptized, and that means more than you would measure in your works. You are baptized, and in that water, God would wash you clean from all your sins. In that water, he would name you holy and worthy of love. He would name you righteous. He would name you so holy that you might look at yourself in the mirror, no matter what anyone would say about you, no matter how well you know yourself, and all of the things done wrong. Because your baptism is a daily washing and renewal. It is a daily forgiveness of sins. It is a daily righteousness and holiness and love that does not and cannot run out. You wear white robes of righteousness even today. You're not going to figure it out on your own. It has to be revealed, but it is. This is who you are now, a child of God. He said so at that font. Nothing you can do can change that fact. Nothing. Nothing you can do can improve on it either. But that's okay, because nothing really needs improving now. Jesus is enough. He saved you from your sins. Amen. And now may the grace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds unto life everlasting. Amen.